Welcome to First State Insights, offering information, perspective, and analysis for public policy, management, and community and economic development in Delaware. Hi, everyone, and welcome to First State Insights, a podcast presented by the Institute for Public Administration. My name is Alex Southers, and I'm a graduate research assistant at the Institute, which is a research and public service center in the University of Delaware's Biden School of Public Policy and Administration. We call ourselves IPA for short. Thanks for tuning in today. Our guest today is Don Haldeman. Don spent 37 years working in juvenile justice in Delaware and now teaches criminal justice, sociology, and restorative justice to both undergraduate and graduate students at a number of universities in Pennsylvania. He's also trained in peacemaking circle practices and uses them in his classroom as well as in community healing and team building and conflict resolution in business. Thank you for joining us today, Don. My pleasure, Alex. I've been looking forward to this. So to start off, circles are versatile in their applications and can be used in the classroom, criminal justice settings, with professional groups, and in a number of other ways to encourage individuals to share thoughts, handle conflicts, or start a dialogue about difficult topics. Could you tell us a bit more about what circles are and how they can be adapted to a virtual setting? Okay, circles are a dialogue process and they have their origins in Native American communities and in uh, First Nation communities. So in North America and in Canada, what makes them different is that you are not only in a physical circle, but use a talking piece to facilitate dialogue. So no one is allowed to speak unless the talking piece is in their hand. So it fosters equality and it fosters deep, deep listening, uh, which uh, I don't know. I think a lot of professors have probably had this experience. I find that my students are, are becoming less skilled at listening as time goes by. And I might add, that's mirrored in social media for adults as well. Uh, We don't listen very well anymore. We like to talk. Uh, So the beauty of a peacemaking circle uh, is that it allows people to have a voice. Uh, So if you have students who have spent their academic careers hiding, uh, hiding in rows, hiding behind people, not contributing, Circles take care of that little problem. Uh, everybody contributes in a circle. It's the way it is. And most students get used to it. Uh, after a week or two of being in a circle, it's like, okay, I can do this and I can listen. Uh, so it's beautiful that way. Fantastic. Um, well, you mentioned how circles are useful in giving individuals the opportunity to share and validate their experiences and feel heard. Um, What are some other benefits of using circles as a tool? The beauty of it is that it takes a little bit of pressure off a professor to have to be the genius all the time. So you don't have to be in front of a class and lecture for 45 or 50 minutes. The knowledge is shared uh, from everyone and participates in the circle. Uh, So it's no longer up to Don to be the, the sage. Uh, we all contribute uh, to the information being cha- being shared. And I've discovered from my own personal experiences that students seem to learn more 
from dialogue process rather than just having information fed to them all the time. I've had the experience, and you probably have as well, walking up and down college hallways and seeing professors use PowerPoints. And sometimes they're even reading off of the PowerPoints for their students. I'm, I'm astonished when I see that. And um, I have very close friends who use that method of teaching, but it's just not my method. So I'm not proposing for a minute that every professor should learn how to become versed in circles and use that process. But for some, it's very beneficial. And the benefit to students is just incredible. Uh, they do get a chance to find their voice. They become uh, more confident in the way they present. They become more skilled in public speaking. Along the way, they might just learn more. Well, as I'm sure I don't need to remind you, we are in the midst of a pandemic. And with this pandemic comes perhaps a certain feeling of disconnect um, between colleagues, between uh, peers as they learn and work from home. Um, could you speak a little bit? Uh, to how circles can be used in our current professional environment, perhaps um, in Zoom meetings, which we are currently interacting through right now. So I will tell you just as a backdrop, I never taught online before. This is the first time. I mean, I've been teaching for over 27 years and the classroom is my domain and the circle that I make in each individual class. And then all of a sudden, you know, March came and it was like, oh my God, what am I going to do now? I've always resisted strenuously against doing online teaching. Um, and so all of a sudden I have six courses going and I've got to convert them into virtual circles. So I worked very hard at, at that transition. I had an advantage this semester because all of my classes had been in circle for six or seven weeks. We had done all of our bonding. We created a very safe space. Uh, we had a circle order. So it was very easy to do the transition to virtual circle because we already knew what we were about and we had the relationships and we had the respect. Uh, so it was just a matter of transferring it over. And the first couple of circles I did online First of all, I gave all my classes a diagram, like this is our circle and this is the order we follow, uh, beginning with me going to my left all the way around the circle and finishing to my right. Uh, so everybody knew their place. And eventually, I was worried that I was going to have to use like a virtual talking piece where I was going to have to prompt each person in circle that it was their turn to go. But I made sure they had copies of the order the circle order, and it made for a very seamless transition. So I, I can now do a virtual circle, and each student will take their turn talking or pass if they need. I mean, you can always pass in circle, but they, were, they would take their turns perfectly, and I wouldn't even have to say a word. So it was a thing of beauty. Now, in terms of the general college community and university community, I teach in three schools. And we all have, all of those schools have Zoom meetings now. Everybody's meeting by Zoom. Here's the problem. Uh, I go to these Zoom meetings and there's no order to the dialogue. Uh, everybody just speaks when they get the inclination to speak. 
uh, and they have an opportunity to break in and, and use their voice. Um, that to me is not circle dialogue. That to me is just chaos. Uh, so if I, I'd like to, if I'm going to be in a Zoom meeting with colleagues, I like to figure out what our order is going to be ahead of time. So everybody knows when it's going to be their turn to speak. Uh, that's really important to me because otherwise, and I'm in Zoom meetings all the time now, and uh, most of them aren't, aren't worth that much <laughs> because, because of the lack of, of an actual circle process. But that's the way we communicate. And I do a lot of individual Zoom meetings with colleagues. We talk all the time about what it is we're doing. Like, for instance, I have a challenge coming up for the summer because I have one or two courses this summer. I'm going to have to start my circles from the very beginning with a whole new group of students. So I need to figure out, and it has to involves a lot of creativity. I have to figure out how I'm going to build rituals into online education because peacemaking circles are extremely ritual-oriented, including the talking piece, including the circle center. And usually when we begin a class, we talk about what the values are going to be of our circle. We usually have people put words on paper plates and they go into the center of the circle and they stay there for the whole semester. Sometimes we do a ribbon tying ceremony where everyone's given a two foot length of ribbon and they have to tie one to the person next to them while answering the question that I've posed. Uh, for instance, symbolically, who would you like to bring into this circle? And usually they'll give a name and they'll talk about the person they would like to bring in and then they connect so that by the time we're finished, we have completed circular ribbon, which again comes into each and every class and goes in the middle on a flag or a blanket right in the middle of the uh, room along with a usually a lit candle. Uh, so how do I do that? Uh, online. So that's what I have to investigate. And I have to talk to my Zoom friends uh, and find out if they have any methodology for, for allowing me to do that. Uh, whether I have to create a virtual off, uh, circle space in my office here and add, like write the uh, values on a plate and put them there myself and then have that be present. And every, I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. Uh, so it's challenging me to be creative and to maintain the spirit of a peacemaking circle while doing it virtual. So, I, I mean, I can't say enough about the process. I really think, and I've been using it now for, uh, let me see, I started in the fall of 2003. So it's been 17 years that I've been doing this, 17 years since I've had a classroom in rows. I can't, I can't do rows anymore. It just doesn't work for me. Uh, so, you know, every class is in a circle, even large classes. Uh, so it's an experience, but this time I think you asked about the pandemic and how it's changed things. Everything's just been turned upside down and my students' lives have been turned upside down. And there's some students that readily adapted, uh, to online others quite truthfully got lost. They couldn't handle the freedom. All of a sudden, they're home. They're on video games eight, ten hours a day. Their routine has been interrupted. And I think as academics, we have to recognize uh, that some of them are really struggling 
with this new new education model we're using. Uh, my fear is that schools are going to start to think this is a good model to adopt from here on out. That you know, from now on, we're going to become uh, a virtual university. Uh, I hope not. I really hope not, because there's no doubt that there's a place for online education, and there's some professors who are extremely good at it. Uh, but by and large, uh, I don't. I don't believe anything beats the classroom. Uh, we've never been able to do that, and now you see universities actually being sued in class action suits by students because they don't believe it's the same education. Uh, so all these issues are being decided. In the meantime, as a professor, you have to try and adapt to your, to your students' needs. Uh, I've done a lot of Zoom counseling with my students who are really having difficulty with depression, just procrastination, just an inability to get into the spirit of online education. They just they have a difficult time. Um, and there's actually some professors who have given them more and more work. So they think, well, as long as you're not in class, I'm going to bury you. <laughs> I'm going to give you all kinds of assignments. And, and uh, some of the students are just not able to handle that extra, extra load. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of things we, we as professors have to consider about our students. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I think that at this time that we're at, more so than ever, we are able to more clearly see the individual needs of students and, you know, in what environments they learn best. Um, You know, myself as an individual, I'm the kind of person who thrives in the classroom. I do best with the face-to-face, with the ability to discuss with my peers, with my professors, with my academic superiors, and a screen just isn't the same. And as you were saying about your experience with meetings, you know, when you have all these people talking back and forth, there are thoughts that get lost. Um, There are individuals who are not the kinds of people to repeat themselves if they weren't heard the first time. Um, And it's those people that it seems are being sort of lost in the mess that is online schooling. And I guess that brings up another question for me, which would be, is there a way that you think circles might be able to sort of reel some of those students back in and ensure that they are staying on track and make sure that their voices are being heard as they might be more of a quiet individual. Right. I will tell you with all six of my classes this past semester, I started doing a healing circle. So if it was a class that met three times a week, one of those times we would just be in a healing circle where we weren't covering new material. We were only talking about how they were doing. How are you coping with this? Uh, what strategies have you found that worked? Uh, so, and if I have a class that meets twice a week, one of those classes might have at least an hour devoted to a healing circle. So I'm trying to provide my students with an opportunity to speak uh, and, and talk about how they're feeling. Some of them are going crazy. I mean, I literally can see them on Zoom and, you know, their parents are walking around the background and, and they're just 
really struggling with having their parents so close to them while they're trying to learn. Um, and of course, there's always a couple of students that just don't have the technology. Uh, and most of my universities have done a good job at reaching out to them and trying to connect them with, you know, either laptops, Chromebooks, and Wi-Fi, that kind of thing. They've tried to help out. Uh, but I know I've still lost a couple of students that just didn't have the technology. Uh, so, you know, my, my plan has been to give students an opportunity uh, to speak uh, to how they are and how they're doing and know that they're being heard and listened to. There's a lot of value in that. Having people bear witness to your thoughts and feelings is incredibly uh, healing. Uh, for some, for a lot of individuals. Uh, so it really has uh, a good point to it. So as I go on, and I have seven classes next fall, uh, I'm going to have to uh, figure out ways to recreate uh, what I do in the classroom with the Zoom circle. And I thought, I thought it was a great transition for me this semester most of my students said it was the best transition of any course they had. Why? Well, because we've already been in circle. We've already bonded with one another. We already have the safety that I've been looking for. Uh, so it was not difficult to make that switch. Uh, other teachers had a much more difficult time because maybe they weren't used to to doing, and a lot of teachers don't even use Zoom for classrooms. They use pre-recorded lectures, and that creates a lot of stress and anxiety for teachers. So I know a lot of my academic friends were going crazy as well. Wow. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we mentioned before, you teach criminal justice and sociology. Yes. And those are topics that can bring with them quite a bit of controversy at times. And so I'm sure that there are some strong opinions um, in your classroom. And I really am curious, have you found that circles have maybe created a level of mutual respect or understanding that might not be present in other classrooms? Um, you know, just an experience with a law classroom, for example, you know, that was one of the most combative experiences that I had ever had where, right. you know, students had very strong opinions and it might have been um, a product of their upbringing, of their work experience, whatever it may have been, there was some deep emotional aspect to what they were saying and how they felt about certain topics. So it seems to me that circles might be a great way to help break down some of those walls and allow people to be more open to differing points of view and to understanding how experiences differ. Alex, I couldn't uh, agree with you more. I spend the first two weeks of every course building the bonds with my uh, participants in the circle. Uh, so we create our values. We talk about guidelines for circle. And number one guideline is always respect. Uh, so my students learn very quickly how to make I statements rather than, you know, oh, you're such an ass, <laughs> which you used to hear sometimes. And, and you don't hear that anymore. They learn how to say, well, this is what I heard when you said that. And this is how I feel. 
uh, said they've become really good at being having respectful dialogue, which is in no way insulting, and it allows them to have their voice, and also it allows the person who expressed that opinion to have theirs as well. Uh, so every opinion and every truth is welcome uh, in a circle classroom. We just have to do it in a certain way. I don't ever want to see anybody harmed in my classroom. And I can tell you how I converted all of my classes to circle. It was based on a graduate course I was taught. And I'm not even going to say the university. It was, and it was uh, a couple of the students uh, were from my county. And uh, I did one small correction. You said I was from Delaware and I'm from Delaware County. Uh, so that was my probation department. But a couple of my 30 students at, at this university were from my own office. And there was also a, a police officer there from Philadelphia. And she was in uniform. And she had spoken about her brother, uh, who was uh, quadriplegic, and the fact that the only thing that allowed him to feel good sometimes was to smoke marijuana. So this was pre-medicated marijuana days. Uh, so she used to go out and buy it for him. And when she told that story, one of the people from my agency jumped up and just said, how dare you? Uh, you're a police officer. How can you go out and buy drugs, which are illegal? Uh, I mean, he just went off on her and she started crying. I could see tears half coming down her face. And it all happened so fast. And we were in stadium seating, which went like up like that at different levels. It was horrible. And I couldn't stop it fast enough to keep her from being hurt. <clears throat> but I said to myself after that, that class, this will never happen again. Uh, and that was right around 2003. So. Uh, it's been 17 years, and I haven't had any, anybody harmed in any of my classes uh, since then. I, I just couldn't stand seeing that happen ever again. So that's the beauty of, of a circle dialogue process used for academia. It really teaches respect and teaches great listening skills uh, so that you don't have to shout out and reply. You can just be with whatever that person said and hear it. And say if uh, the person to my left in the circle has made a comment and it's really gotten to me, I can't just automatic, and I'm over on the other side of me, I can't just blurt out my comment. I, you have to wait until it works its way around the circle. And by the time it gets halfway around, maybe I'm no longer feeling that that comment needed to reply be replied to. Uh, so I, it's no longer as important to me uh, to, to make some snarky comment in, in, in reply to that. So that's the beauty of, of circle process is that you learn how to listen. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to become your truth. It doesn't have to be, but you can at least hear it. So, and that's uh, obviously one of the difficulties we have in this uh, society today. People can't hear anything. Oh my God. I mean, the moment somebody makes a comment on social media, uh, it just creates a firestorm. And then you get all these, you know, keyboard warriors who just can't wait to get into fights and arguments and 
It's like they're just not hearing. They're just not have, listening at all, you know? Oh, absolutely. It sounds, like, it sounds as though there's a degree of mindfulness right. involved with circles right. um, and awareness of sort of yourself and your thoughts and your feelings and how those may affect um, another individual involved in the circle. Um, and I guess in the same vein, you know, circle experiences, as you said, can sometimes bring up sensitive topics or experiences for individuals. And I think that that might be especially true right now. Is there anything that you think should be kept in mind or discussed during a circle? I tell uh, everyone in circle that you are free to share your truth to the extent that you're comfortable with it. I don't want anybody to uh, risk, take any risk. I don't want anybody to be re-victimized because we talk a lot about trauma-related issues in criminal justice. And my students come into circle with trauma histories, some of them. So I don't want them opening up a can of worms for them. Uh, so they're all advised to only risk to the point where they're feeling comfortable about it. Now, if I'm in a classroom circle, then it becomes very easy because if someone becomes triggered by something, uh, they can leave circle. And normally, somebody in the circle will go with them to debrief them out in the hallway to, you know, find out what it was that was so triggering for them. So as, as a circle keeper professor, uh, I, my number one concern is with the safety of every participant in that room. Uh, so I'm always hypersensitive and aware of people that are being triggered, people that are having difficult people that have extensive trauma histories, uh, and we have to be careful to offer them a way to uh, safely uh, talk about it. Now, the difficult part, and we didn't even talk about this, what happens if you're uh, like a biology teacher? Uh, how could you adapt circle Zoom uh, to, to that? And, and that, that's a very different problem. It's easy for me in arts and sciences to do it. But I think for others, for natural sciences, it might be more difficult. Uh, and for mathematics and things like that, where you really do need to lecture more. I try in my circles to lecture in 10 minute segments. So if I need to, I'll just go off on a tangent for five or 10 minutes on a given topic that we're discussing. And then I'll get back into circle mode and just answer like everyone else. But you know, with math or biology, you would have to do that a, a great deal more. Uh, so I think it presents different challenges than the ones that I have. Definitely. I'm sure that's a very interesting point to put out there, actually. The, uh, the difference between different subject matter and how circles can be integrated. Well, I think you've provided um, our students listening at home and educators, professionals working, learning, existing, living from home with a lot to think about and perhaps some very useful tools uh, moving forward as we deal with this very difficult um, and ever-changing situation. So I just can't tell you enough how thankful I am to have you on the podcast. Alex, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, if you would like to learn more about Dawn, reach out via email to jdzhald, that's jdzhald, at yahoo.com for more information. I'm very easy to engage. 
And if, if we need to, we can set up a Zoom meeting and do it by Zoom. But I'm very, I'm always happy to, to answer people that are inquiring about circle process. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been so interesting and very enlightening. Um, and I can't wait to see how some of our educators might apply what they've learned today to their own teaching. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. That's all we have for this episode. I'm Alex Southers from the University of Delaware IPA. To learn more about Peacemaking Circles, some of the Conflict Resolution Program Circle Experiences, or IPA, you can visit us at bidenschool.udel.edu forward slash IPA. Thank you for tuning in. 